podcast of JanetMichelle.com. Tune in and hear from women representing diverse business industries, sharing their glow up moments, imparting knowledge, and offering tips that support women in becoming the best version of themselves in life and business. This is a podcast you do not want to miss. The aftermath of Lifetime's surviving R. Kelly docuseries is astounding. For many, the magnitude of his sickness was unbearable and calls for justice have rung loudly from one corner of the country to the other. Episode 4, Surviving Sexual Trauma, hears from licensed professional counselor and CEO of First Love Yourself Counseling, Essence Cohen-Fields, and educator and business owner of Level 8 Agency, a digital design firm, Bianca Goolsby. Listen in as we take a moment and discuss how to recognize patterns and signs of abuse, tools to use while in recovery, and self-care. All right, it's Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie, and today I have with me two very special guests, and I will uh, let them introduce themselves to you. So my name is Bianca Goolsby. Um, I am a web developer and an educator located in Tampa, Florida. And my name is Essence Cohen-Fields. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I specialize in trauma processing and boundary setting. I also am in private practice by the name of First Love Yourself Counseling, located in Pennsylvania. Thank you. And if you guys remember, Essence was our, a guest on our episode uh, episode number two. So go back and review that to get some really good uh, information. And so the inspiration from today's podcast uh, was from the Surviving the R. Kelly docuseries. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, if you can, if you can handle it, um, you may want to uh, just just check it out and give it a peek. And so, uh, who everybody here, we all watched it. I know for me, um, it was it was triggering as a parent and then also as a survivor myself. So it was just a lot to unpack. Back in the day, social media wasn't as prevalent so when you heard the stuff you know it's like you didn't dismiss it but the, how quickly the news cycles go you you knew about it but then kind of carried on and having uh, the survivors share their stories it really kind of pulled the covers back a little bit more and it's like a lot deeper than I think what we all could have imagined so what are you guys' thoughts on on the docuseries so my thoughts are I watched it didn't complete it. I was so triggered yesterday that I could not watch the last two episodes last night. Um, it just reminded me so much of my childhood, and there was a particular scene that really got me, um, and that was when um, everyone was raving about the sex tape, and it became a thing on the street corners, and people were selling it mm-hmm. and watching it as if it was just you know something natural and normal to be having sex with an underage, you know child yet alone you know urinating in her mouth it, it just it was just so much and I remember as a child um in Atlanta and I remember my uncles talking about the sex tape and raving about it mm. and as a child I actually seen the sex tape oh wow um, well before I should have been exposed to anything like that it, it really triggered me mm. um to the point where I I had to call my dad and I had to talk to him about some things that he did not even know mm. um, that happened based on me watching that. Mm. And what about you, Essence? Any thoughts on the docuseries? 
Yeah, um, it was very, very disturbing. And um, much like you both said, it was, um, you know, really shocking because, you know, we've heard rumors and, and unfortunately, you know, you've seen things. But, you know, there was a lot of doubt. He, he was acquitted, right? So I was like, well, then maybe it wasn't him. And mm-hmm. then we hear things and then, just like the documentary said, he would come up with some great songs. And those songs have been soundtracks to, I know, you know, some of my family's events and things. But mm-hmm. to think of the way, the spirit in which those songs were intended. You know, it seems like you're ready. Um, AJ, nothing but enough. It, it really, mm-hmm. it kind of like, it sucks the wind out of everything you thought you knew about this man. And it really, um, it was devastating and disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, to be honest, worse than I thought. And I know for me, what really stood out uh, were the enablers. Um, the managers and even some of the other the older girls, you know, that recognize these were younger girls. It's like um, the relatives, the brother that uh, that's in prison and how like he didn't have a problem. It, it, he just likened it to, oh, well, that's just his preference. It's like, huh? Those are little. Those are babies. Those are little girls. That no, that's not a that that that's not a healthy preference, <laughs> you know. So, and and just the secrecy, just the the magnitude that they go to even now today to continue to prop him up to allow him to harm these women. It's just I was just speechless. Like I just I couldn't believe it. I mean the justice system, the police department. Um, I, you know all of that like when the parents went to the um the um uh the recording studio and they throwing rocks at the window to try to get you know to try to get their daughter's attention and i'm just i'm like you've got to be kidding me and the police come and they're like well there's nothing we could do really like i just it's unbelievable I, it really is and i really i'm interested to see what happens after this docu-series? Like, what's going to happen to him? Because you just cannot deny this. There's just too many patterns, you know? Yeah. And they're all so similar, the stories and it's, stuff. It's, it's sad because, you know, R. Kelly literally was illiterate. So, you know, who was booking those tickets for these for these girls to fly out? Mm. And, and what type of what type of penalties? And, and the thing is, it's... it's it's unfortunate because it's all these family secrets and lies, and mm-hmm. that's what yep. I was I was born into a whole bunch of secrets and lies, and you can't talk about this, and you can't talk mm-hmm. about that, and don't yeah. talk about this, and it's to the point where it's just like people are literally losing it, and it's just exposing everything because once you keep holding on to secrets for so long, it it, it eventually comes out, mm-hmm. and I think this is exactly what has happened is that this stuff is coming out. So when you decided to share your truth with your dad, Bianca, what was his response? And did anybody else in the family, you know, look at you different or treat you differently after you shared your truth with your dad? So this is all fresh. And it, it was just the spirit and how all of this works. Like mm-hmm. when you had posted that you needed people to talk about it, I literally had just got off the phone with my father and told him that as a child, my my mother passed away when I was um, younger, when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. when I was out of school, there was no way he could take care of me and work full time to take care of the bills. So mm-hmm. during the summer months, I would end up going and staying with family members and they took care of me 
as he was working and, you know, those type of things. And when school came back, I would go back. And during those times, um, I've had family members that have touched me inappropriately. And it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It happened over years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something that I shared with my father yesterday. And he he completely lost it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because... You know, he's always said, you know, his whole goal was to protect me. Yes. And he felt, he felt as though he failed, mm. you know, and I could just hear him break down mm. and we, we were crying wow. and sobbing. Mm. It was just really an emotional moment for the both of us because I never had the courage to say anything, but for this series that triggered me. Mm-hmm. It triggered me so wow. that, you know, my wife was like, hey, you know, you okay? You want to talk about it? It was so triggering mm-hmm. to, to the fact that I stopped everything that I was doing to call my father and tell him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's almost like um, an unintended consequence, but at, at the same time, it was a, it, it, it's, although it sounds very painful, but it sounds like something that was needed. Um, to begin to begin to kind of put you on the path to really get the healing that you deserve. Um, yes. Yeah. So I mean, just listening to your story, and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if there were not thousands more. I can't tell you how many people I saw on my feed on Facebook and on Twitter. And in in comments, well, this happened to me when I was this age. I am, you know, and it's just astounding at how common this type of stuff is. It it really is. It's just it it blows my mind that um, so many people are are violated, and it's almost like it's a um, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic that we don't talk about. That we don't talk about. What are your thoughts, Essence? Yeah, it is. Um, it is like an epidemic. And unfortunately, you know, people don't talk about these things. They feel like it's, um, you know, it's hush-hush because the reality of it is a lot of times these um, the sexual abuses, physical abuse, it occurs by people that you know. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is going on because for so long it's being uh, perpetuated over time because they don't want to um, cause any type of dissension in a family relationship. Um, and then when you get small children involved, you know, they don't really understand it. So people can make these threats like, oh, you know, I'm going to tell them it was your fault. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're, they're, they're reversing it and really trying to, um, you know, get into your psyche mm-hmm. um, of vulnerability and using that against you. And because they kind of hold this thing over you, um, people don't people are are in fear for years and decades and and for so long that they are like, you know, I don't want people to look at me Mm -hmm. in a certain light, but Mm -hmm. that's not the reality. And I think one thing we can really start to do is change the narrative of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. But people think, oh, you know, watch yourself when you go out at night and Mm -hmm. jump out of the bushes. When in reality, yes, that does happen. Mm -hmm. But it's very small in comparison to how frequently it happens by someone you know. And if we begin to say, you know, starting at a very young age, hey, naming the the body parts correctly, did anyone touch you, Mm -hmm. you know, in your vagina, in your penis, you know, naming it correctly Mm -hmm. and letting them feel comfortable to share and check in with you, 
you know, just having one person, no matter who it is, it could have been a brother or sister, they have to be able to share these things like, hey, they touched me. It's embarrassing, it's awkward, but we need to figure something out. Nip it in the bud, girl it. Absolutely. And it's so interesting you said that about um, how the women um, often know their perpetrator. I was reading a study. Um, it was conducted by the National Sexual Violence Resource Center um, centered around African-American women. And of those that they surveyed, 96 percent, 96 percent of the women surveyed knew their perpetrator. I'm like, why that? that I mean, we and we say that, and, and and to see that, I'm like, and it's true. Yeah, you got the other cases out there, boy, but it's more so being mindful of who you're leaving your your children around or who your loved ones. And it's so tricky because when you, it, oftentimes, especially if it's family, in your mind, you can't, you can't, you don't think that a family member would be would do something like that because you know in yourself that you wouldn't harm anybody in your family. And it's almost like it's unconscionable to think that a family member would take advantage of a child uh, in, in such a way and violate them sexually. It's just, it's almost like it immediately creates conflict because in some cases it's a dad, it's a brother, it's an uncle, you know what I'm saying? And these are people that you have to see every day or to a certain degree, you know, family functions and stuff like that. You got to see them. And then if you haven't told anybody, you put up a front like you're okay with being around them. But on the inside, you're dying inside. You just want to escape. You don't. You don't even want to yeah. look in their face. You know. That's so true. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so that's a uh, that's a hurt. That's the horrible part about it. So, um, any suggestions on on what to look for in loved ones that may have experienced um, sexual trauma? Uh, what are some things that uh, parents or you know people who are over younger kids or whatever? What are some things that um, they they should be on, on the lookout for? Maybe those signs and stuff like that. Um, as an educator, um, I I teach middle school. Um, age, um, so the age range is anywhere between 11 and surprisingly I have some 15 year olds um, that are still in middle school Wow! Um, and what I found is that these parents are not checking these cell phones mm. um, and these parents mm. have no idea the communications that's being had um, with their children and uh, older adults are having inappropriate conversations with children and getting their children involved in things and they have no idea and it wasn't until it it sparked me because I have a rule in my classroom to where um, you have two options either one I turn your phone into the office your parent come pick it up mm-hmm. or you give me consent to go through it and then I'll get back to you at the end of the period mm-hmm. um and so a child had consented to let me go through their phone and I was shocked at the messages that I seen mm-hmm. and it's usually these guys that try to groom these girls for better life say, oh you like to model oh I can help you with that I can take some pictures or you know you like to sing and it's that whole grooming phase and the parents have no idea and one particular case the parent didn't even care um what's happening and so this this triggers me because as protective as my father was i know that he's literally dying on the inside because he was very protective because he didn't want this very thing to happen to me Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm scared to have children in this earth because i don't want anything to happen to my kids 
And I go to these mm-hmm. middle schools and I and I teach at one at a Title One, so pri- pri- you know, primarily African American. And these girls are being groomed by these grown men mm-hmm. on social media and plain daylight, and no one's addressing it. Wow. And that's so interesting that you said that, because I remember in one of the segments, the dad, they got a hold to the daughter's iCloud account and they could see the text messages between their daughter and R. Kelly. And they said the things that they saw was just downright disgusting. And um, and you're so that's so true about using that word grooming, because that's precisely what it is. You know, grooming that child, setting them up to make them think that it's okay, like what they're doing is okay. And you kind of saw that in the docuseries where he would wave the carrot of um, fame. He he dangled that carrot of fame. I could give you access, but little did they know by agreeing, you know, to let him mentor them that they were essentially handing over their whole bodies, you know. And but that's precisely what he what he was doing. What he does is grooming them so he can set them up just how he wants them to want them and use them to his liking and abuse them. And I think that is it's so sad. And you're right. As um, as parents, um, we do have to be more diligent. We have to be nosy. We have to be that nosy parent, um, even if they get upset. I don't care. You ain't got to like me, you know. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> certain right, things right. you're just not going to do. We have to get back to, I guess, what we call old school. Some of that, those old school principles. You know what I'm saying? What you do, I do. What you know, I know. You know, I have access right. to passwords and you know, I know my kids thought I was the meanest parent on earth, but and I'm not saying that they're they didn't have, you know, experiences and things like that. They went through things, too. But I did my best, you know, as best as I could right. to just try to be that parent that was on them like white on rice. And, you know, you right. just weren't. And yeah. Like to, yeah. Um, I, do you mind if I add a few things? Mm-mm, go ahead. Um. So on that same note, um, what you're basically saying, you know, all of that is to so that you can know your child inside and out. Mm-hmm. And so you can notice when things are different, mm-hmm. right? And when you have even the smaller children, um, they don't have the language, you know, to say, you know, someone's doing this or someone's doing that. Mm-hmm. They show you in um, in their in their body language, right? So in their behavior. And so when you notice, you, you know, you might drop off your child and all of a sudden they're really... Um, clinging to you yes. or they're crying because they don't want to go somewhere mm-hmm. you know you know your child inside and out that's different you know it wasn't you know it was, if, if, if you drop them off and it was like that from the beginning they don't know this person they already they already do that then that's just them getting activated but if they weren't like that before mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're doing these things mm-hmm. that's that's a red flag to, yes. to be investigated right and um and then in terms of when somebody's older right mm-hmm. that whole piece how he would he, he continues to cut them off from their family. Yes. I mean, that's the biggest flag right yes. there, that alienation. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. No one's on your side but me. No, you know, no one, no one cares about you like I do. Mm-hmm. They get to feel this way and, and distance themselves. Yes. A major red flag. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, those are some, those are, just like you said, they're exactly that. They're red flags. And, I mean, we could kind of pick up on kids that start to be withdrawn. Um, I'm sure you see that a lot, Bianca, when a child doesn't seem to be engaged. 
um, you know, Absolutely. yeah, like you, you, you pick Absolutely. up on like, okay, something's not right. Something's going on because they're not like they used to be, you know? And so, um, uh, thank you for pointing that out, Essence. That is true. When it, How to separate, okay, that's just them adjusting versus, okay, no, this is something I need to be investigate a little bit further. And not being afraid to ask, you know, that child, is somebody bothering you? Just straight up asking them. And, you know, just not being afraid to go there, having those conversations. Um the school system has has really kind of failed our kids um, with this mm-hmm. uh, because if there is something that is going on with the child, um, immediately it's like, well, they have ADD or they have ADHD or wow. they have to give them some type of medical type of diagnosis instead of allowing the child, and, and I don't know if it's for liability reasons okay. or whatever the reason is, but usually public schools try to stay out of it Okay, they have concrete evidence. Wow. Gosh, and that's got to be in kind of hard as a person. You know, just like I said, when you see kids and certain instincts kick in, and you know, you know, you get that inkling that something's not right, but your hands are tied as an educator because there's only so Correct. much you can do because of there's just like you said, how the system, how, how the system is and how they choose to approach um, those type of situations. And um, because kids, they do, they desperately need an outlet, an outside source to be able to share um, that information without shame or without guilt, because as I think one of the ladies mentioned, this was a, the lady mentioned, she was afraid to go back because she was afraid of what people would think of her and what people would say and how they would treat her. You know, so she she and yeah, she endured a lot of the abuse because of that. And I, I can only imagine that kids do the same thing because they don't have like an outlet outside of their home to tell somebody about what's going on with them. Um Wow. So, Essence, the women, the women who did escape, they seem to be like in a cycle. It's almost like you would hear them say, um, you know, in the beginning, things were good. And then his controlling side came out and then the abuse came out and then um, they would eventually leave. Can you give us some insight into cycles of abuse and things of that nature? And is there, you know, that a, a real thing? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, it is a real thing. And um, there's one ex- widely accepted um, model of um, abuse where there's four phases. And um, it's called the cycle of abuse. And it's just, it's so, when I say amazing, it's amazing how it kind of follows us to a T. Wow. Right, you're in this cycle. So the first stage, they call it uh, tension building. Mm-hmm. And so that's where there's a stress. Um, there's, um, the abuser is feeling some type of stress, they're frustrated, they have to be something that you did, but they need to be in the outlet, right? So there's, there's some tension building there. And in in R. Kelly's case, there was that disobedience. Oh, you didn't say, you didn't do what I asked you to do, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's the incident. That's the second phase where it's either verbal, emotional, or physical abuse. And that's, you know, um, that's accompanied by threats. Right, where it's like, oh, hey, if you leave me, I'm going to hurt your family. Right. That intimidation factor, um, you know, you, you can't leave me. What are you going to do out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that really emotionally breaks it down after the incident um, takes place. And then the reconciliation, 
and that's all the you know, apologies, mm-hmm. right? Um, excuses. Um, a lot of times, blaming the victim, right? Mm-hmm. And then, in his case, um, what I consider a master manipulator, he's getting sympathy out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to. You know, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's insane how you know they're end up apologizing because he hurt them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reconciliation phase. And then um, something that everyone is familiar with, the honeymoon phase, um, it's actually called the calm, the calm phase. And this is where there's no abuse taking place. Okay. Um, the incident is forgotten. You know, uh, he's buying gifts. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's also a sign of um, abuse. Right. If, mm-hmm. if a friend of yours, you know, their relationship is not that great. She seems kind of indifferent when she mm-hmm. talks about it, but somehow there's always these different, you know, oh, he, he got me this or he got me, you know, excessive gifts is, can be, can also be a warning sign that someone's in a abusive relationship. Yes. But then that's all to, again, that, that doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. And then it goes right back into the tension building mm-hmm. because one thing that someone who's in an abusive relationship can really realize Right. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, you're an adult. Um, you're never going to the, the, the abuser is looking for a type of perfection that mm. you're never going to fulfill. Oh, wow. And once you accept that, you acknowledge that it's really not an attack on you. It's this person. They're never going to be satisfied. They will find something. Your hair was out of place. Mm-hmm. The wind blew too strong. You know, uh, there's water in my eyes. Something is going to trigger them to begin to that tension-building phase, and then another incident. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for giving um, some insight into the cycles of abuse. And it's so interesting that you said that because I have, I got pregnant at 14 and I had my son when I was 15. And so it was like a, a double whammy, um, even though I didn't get the, the sexual part until I was much, I just didn't get it until I was much, much older. Um, but the, the physical the abuse, um, I, I understood what was going on um, totally, you know, because I witnessed it. And then now here I am in it. And just like you said, those that cycle, that's precisely um, what would happen. It could be the dumbest thing. Like I could look a certain way. Or I could say something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, really, it was so silly. And um, and he would just fly off the handle and become extremely violent. And then we, we would fight. And then it's like he would apologize. Um, he would start being really, really nice and doing things. And I would go right back. And um, it took a long time before I finally left. Um, but I'm so glad that, you know, I did get the courage to eventually leave. But... But listening to you yeah. say the cycles, that's exactly that's exactly what it was. It, that's exactly what it was. Um, wow, wow. So, uh, B- Bianca, um, how were you able to? I know you, you shared, and this is so. This is kind of fresh for you. Um, really, it is. And so, have you committed like to um, to like recovering and and being intentional about how you intend on recovering from the information that you share um, about your experience? Yeah. So, um, I have my own therapist, which I recommend everyone having one, um, someone that's licensed that's able to have conversations with you and just kind of um, channel your energy where it's best intended. Um, and so the last chapter for me was telling my dad. Okay. I had, I had been through it. I had unpacked everything, but the last thing for me to do was to let my father know. 
Gotcha. Um, and the reason behind that was because he's always said, if there's anything that's going on with you, I, I need to know. I mm-hmm. want to know. I want to be a part of your life. And although we had never had the best of relationship after my mom died, mm-hmm. and I think that was just due to, you know, he lost his wife. And then now, you know, he's raising a single, you know, the only child or daughter at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to learn about a period by reading a book. Wow. You know, I, I didn't have family like that to teach me and navigate. It was just me and my dad. Mm-hmm. And so with that, the final chapter for me, with my closing process and my healing process was to tell him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still committed to self-care and self-love and not um, engaging in, you know, the triggering arguments that's on Facebook. I've literally had to um, kind of remove myself from that mm-hmm. just because the victim shaming and why did it take so long to mm-hmm. take something out? Right. And, mm-hmm. and this is why I don't want to engage with people. I, You know, this happened to me when I was 11 all the way up until about 14 years old. Oh my goodness. I, I, I just told my dad now, mm-hmm. yesterday, mm. when this was happening wow. to me. And the reason why I didn't tell him was because I already lost a side of my family when my mom died. When yeah. my mom died, the other family died with it. They did not care oh. to continue to have a relationship with my father. And oh. mm. So it was the wow. other family that abused me. And, and I just dealt with the chips as they made. And I didn't want to lose that other side of the family, too. And that's what I explained to him. Yeah. I didn't want to disclose. And I just see all of this negative, negative, toxic conversations had on Facebook saying that they were fast and they knew what they were doing. And it's, I can't. So for me, my healing process consists of, you know, self-care, still having conversations with my therapist mm-hmm. and unplugging and not necessarily being in the forefront of some conversations that are being had mm-hmm. because that's not healthy right. conversations I need to be engaged with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And thank I can't say it enough. Yeah, thank you so much for being so brave um, to even agree to do this. Um, I, I, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I really do appreciate it because I know that took a lot um, for you to do yes. this. Um, so, um, so Essence, what are, what are some tools that um, a person, and I know everybody's situation is different, but from a practitioner standpoint um, or perspective, what are some things that people can do um, when they're in recovery or to help them on the road of recovering uh, from this type of trauma? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question, and it does look different for everyone, but um, I would definitely absolutely say get a formally trained therapist, mm-hmm. right? Um, and here's why. It is good to have natural support, and those are people who are just naturally in your life, exactly what it sounds like. You know, you have a sister, a friend, um, a spouse, etc. but even that can be draining for them. Mm-hmm. Right, and it, 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 it could be toxic for the um, excuse me, uh, triggering for them as well. Mm-hmm. So have a formal uh, a formal support in addition to your natural support. So getting someone who is trained who can allow you that space to kind of you know hold you in that space you know for one hour a week or every other week or what have you, where you know this is where I go to talk about it and I can let it all out. When I'm done, I'm going to pack it away, close it up, and move on with my life and still be functional in the ways that I need to be, Mm -hmm. okay? And then um, there's a really, 
really good book um, called I Will Survive, mm. The African-American Guide to Healing from Sexual Assault and Abuse. Wow. And it's a, it's a really good book by uh, Lori S. Robinson, L-O-R-I. Lori can you, can you send me the, um, the information via Instagram in the IM? I sh- yes. Okay. Yes, All I right. will sure do that. Okay. And um, it's a book, it's part uh, journal, it's part, um, you know, education, and it's, it, I think it's really helpful. Um, and then me in particular, I'm actually, I'm trained in something called EMDR, and um, it's, a, it's been proven to be very helpful with PTSD symptoms. Mm-hmm. So in addition to therapy, you know, seek out a therapist who um, specializes in trauma, um, and then even try out EMDR. It's a, it's a different form of therapy where um, it, it's intensive. You kind of do these eye movements that mimic REM sleep mm. and while you're talking about the um, issue that's going on or that you experienced yesterday. And while you're doing this, you're uh, reprocessing the memory and associating it with positive feeling. Wow. So it's really cool. It's really intensive, and it's been um, empirically proven to work with um, PTSD-diagnosed um, individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just a few, a few items. Mm. Wow. Well, um, this has been really, really um, insightful. Um, it's been uh, really, really just again just eye-opening because you never you just never know um what people have been through and I think that's the thing that kind of just uh rubs me the wrong way when I do see stuff on social media sometimes and I know people are entitled to their own opinion but some of this stuff has just kind of crossed the line in my opinion um and you know it's just like okay wait a minute yeah this is this like this is just gone too far and I think one thing that pains me the most is that as as black women I would have hoped that we would have become it would have drawn us a little bit more closer together um mm-hmm. I, I, I just I don't know if I'm being naive you know I don't know I just hope that it would draw us a little bit closer together kind of how we see the solidarity with other women and other races um when things happen mm. they form a, a united front and they're gonna do whatever they need to do you know to shut it down and um I was just hoping that our girls, our young girls and our women could see that same display of solidarity um, once they chose to share their pain and their story. And it kind of saddens me that that's that's not what as of right now, that hasn't happened, Um, you know, but I guess all we can try to do is within our circles, just be there for each other the best way we can. Um, Any closing comments you guys care to make or anything? Well, I do want to touch back on the last thing you said about, you know, how you think that it should draw us closer. And uh-huh. um, unfortunately, I've just seen so many negative comments from black women mm-hmm. that it literally discouraged me today. Wow. I, I felt mm-hmm. defeated um, mm-hmm. by people of color, women. Mm-hmm. And people was actually taking a picture of the founder of the Me Too movement. I saw and that. Like, there was no way R. Kelly could have touched that. I can now understand why she used, you know, someone, another demographic to represent her movement because if it was just her alone, she would not get the support that mm-hmm. she was getting. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that in itself is sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw that, yeah. So you were going to say something, Essence? 
No, I was um, on that same vein. I, I think that is that's, that is so sad, and I never came to that uh, revelation that yes, yeah, she probably went outside of the race because of the support that she didn't get, you know, from us. And um, I, I feel like with with his whole experience, with R. Kelly, I feel like I've been manipulated because he knows what he was doing, what he was accused of, mm-hmm. right? What he was found not guilty on, but then he would put strategically out these songs mm-hmm. in the midst of it all, like they show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm, I, it's nothing else. Like, don't let your own self be manipulated by him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep, that is so true. Take it personal. And even recently, he released a new song yesterday, last night. And anticipation, really? uh, yeah, anticipation of his upcoming album. He released another song last night. You know, so it's almost like a slap wow, in the face. Either. Yeah, it's like, how dare wow. you? You, you, you know, you're right. you're just so arrogant and so full of pride that you would sit yeah. here in the midst of these women sharing their truth and sharing their pain, and the only thing you could figure out to do was to release a darn single. Really, like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm. Yeah. just like you've got to be kidding me because he did that before mm-hmm. he created this whole yeah. 19 minute song yeah and it was basically a narcissistic oh, right. type of attack like shame on me i'm broke and i'm doing this because some allegations and this that and the third like uh-uh. it's, it's this is the same pattern so yeah it's it's the older generation that allowed this i yep. was, i'm 28 years old and you know, I was in the house listening to R. Kelly and all of that. They was talking about this. Mm-hmm. They didn't see it as a problem, and they still don't see it as a problem today. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely, it, absolutely, and you know that to be true because what other demographic would allow a tape to come out of a grown man oh. um, abusing a, a child and then go on and create sketches about it? Who? What? Tell me what other what other race would allow that? Yeah. <laughs> Who? No. And was selling it and, and As, yeah. Child pornography. Yes. Like, it was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Check this out, bro. Check this out. Yes. It's not funny. Right. Yeah. And I have. I still haven't yeah. seen it. And I, but that. Let me know that I was I was done with him at at that point. It's like okay, I see him totally different. And then even when um they found the tapes when in in Lakeland, I think he used to live, and and I, and I said I don't care that he didn't get found guilty. They found that stuff in your house. That's your stuff. Period. That means you looked that you looked at it and you watched it. I don't need no jury to sit here and render you um guilty because you were in possession of it you were in possession of it and to get off on a technicality because there wasn't a time or a date stamp no uh uh-uh bro that's your stuff (laughs) that's your stuff you know what you do Uh -uh, uh-uh um no no Mm -mm. you know i'd like to say one thing um like thinking about this on a larger scale he um obviously had police in his pocket right oh yeah and i'm wondering if this goes up higher up on the chain, you mm-hmm. know, there's other people, mm-hmm. other artists, other politicians who's involved, mm-hmm. you know, in this some, in some type of way, you mm-hmm. know, um, it, it, as far as it's biggest tra- sex trafficking. Yes. You know, really by looking at the larger scale, that's yes. why he's kind of able to scave through. 
unharmed. Well, in the uh, docuseries, the guy said in Chicago that he knew people in the Chicago Police Department, and they would warn him right. when they would do the self the um, self checks. They would let them know that the self checks were getting ready to take place before they even happened. So he most certainly got people in his pocket in the law community. You know that? Yeah, he does. He does. And just like you said, this is probably bigger, you know, than what we're even thinking about. It could be a larger sex trafficking. So before we go, can you let the guests know how they can contact you, your Instagram, your businesses, your websites, any specials you guys got going on, any of that stuff? You care to share that information? Um, well, you can find me. I'm very vocal on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to just type my name. Um, and it's Bianca. And then my last name is Goolsby. And you spell that G-O-O-L-S-B-Y. Um, and if you search the same thing, you'll find, you know, my IG, my website, um, all of that good stuff where you can learn more about me. Okay. And you have a level eight agency, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So I own my own um, design agency. So if you're looking for, you know, logos, graphic design, websites, um, we are pretty much okay. uh, one of the largest growing minority owned digital agencies in the South. Um, and so you can find more information about the Level 8 Agency if you just go to our website, the Level 8 Agency.com, um, or find us on Instagram at the Level 8 Agency. Thank you so much. And Ms. Essence? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yes, um, you can find me at www.flycounseling.com as well as uh, on Instagram, fly count, at Fly Counseling, and then the Facebook page is First Love Yourself Counseling. Um, I do offer um, free consultations, and I know that this was an extremely triggering um, time these last three days. Um, so I am offering free consultations. If you visit the website, you can book me through there. And I also have a book. Um, called A Lesson on How to Fly. Again, everything is first love yourself. And um, it talks about setting boundaries, uh, recognizing different signs within yourself, and um, the confidence to kind of move forward in your life. It's an easy read. You can also get that on Amazon, A Lesson on How to Fly, or through my website, firstflycounseling.com. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. I really do appreciate it. Um, this has been a, a, just a, a really uh, great um, podcast, some really heavy topics. Um, thank you, Essence, um, as always, uh, for your professional insight um, and the information uh, that you always provide to our listeners. And thank you uh, again, uh, Bianca. Um, like I said, I really do appreciate you being bold enough and brave enough um, to share your story. And I hope, and I hope I'm certain that the listeners will be able to uh, benefit and grow um, from both of you ladies appearing on the show today. So I do appreciate it. And thank you. And until next time, we are out. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share what you loved or learned with us on Instagram at Janet Michelle blog. Stay in touch by joining our Glow Up Game mailing list at JanetMichelle.com.